This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. to direct our hearts and continually direct our hearts. Why? Jeremiah 17, 9. Here's another one. This is not motivational speaking, okay? This is scripture, okay? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitfully above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need God to direct our hearts in love. In love. In love. You see, we all call to love just as as Jesus loved us. The call to love others can sometimes be a difficult one. In today's message from Pastor Eddie, he teaches you about the love of Jesus and how that love that you receive from him needs to also be shown to others. Jesus says that you must love your neighbor and your enemies and also pray for them. Pastor Eddie understands that sometimes this can be easier said than done, but you are to do your best to reflect God's love to all. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 as he continues his message, an exhortation to proper living and a benediction. Jesus Christ came, he died on the cross, he rose, he fulfilled all 300 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. I'm going to go to the synagogue and share it with the fellow Jews. Some accepted, and most of them didn't. And so they didn't hate Paul because of Paul, they hated Paul because of the gospel. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, people don't hate you because they don't like the way you comb your hair. Not because of the way you look. If you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are going to hate you, not because of you, because of Jesus Christ. It's not you, but the Jesus in you that they hate. And that's what happened with Paul. And so what happens is now when you speak and share the gospel, what you're going to have, either you're going to have people going to accept the gospel, or they become, as Paul says, unreasonable and wicked. You share the gospel. Many of you who do share the gospel, you know what I'm talking about. You get some people who accept the truth of the gospel. And praise God that they do. And then you get people who say, oh, I don't want to listen. Just like as Debbie said earlier when she first heard the gospel. Eh. And then unreasonable. And then you get people who are wicked. And so it's because of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. You could talk about any subject anywhere. You talk about traveling. You could talk about sports, science. And depending on politics, what <laughs> geographical area you're in. But you could talk about anything. But talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unreasonable, wicked men. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it because of Jesus. Now, they might be reasonable if you say God. If you use the word God, you, you might get them. 50-50, you probably get them. But here's the difference, because there are many gods. But when you say Jesus Christ, that's when you probably find out most of the unreasonable and wicked people. Because Jesus changes everything. You say God, there's a lot of gods. What God are you talking about? Okay, God, yeah, God, God, yeah. Hey, mother, God is this universe. God is that tree. God is the plant. 
You know, I had one guy say, went into the church and we were in town. He said, God is everything. God is here. God is the floor. I said, why would I want to worship the floor? What kind of God is that? So when you mention Jesus, it changes everything because it talks about the blood. It talks about repentance. It talks about submitting your life. It changes everything. So this is what, what, what Paul is praying for. Listen, we're going to share the gospel. We want it to move swiftly. We want it to be honored. And we want to be rescued from unreasonable people. It's one thing when people don't want to hear the gospel. It's another thing when they stop people from sharing the gospel. And unreasonable, wicked men. So that's the prayer. And that should be our prayer when we share the gospel. Pray that the, the word of God would move swiftly. That it will be respected and honored. And that those that you're sharing the gospel with would receive it and not be unreasonable or wicked. And now he's talking about, uh, he says, he says for, all, for not all have faith. Not all have faith. He's not talking about Christians. He's talking about unbelievers. Every single one of us who have been born again, who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, we have faith. And a measure of faith might be different, but here's the thing. God gives us a measure of faith. It tells us, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul says this, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure of faith. So Paul's speaking about unbelievers. In verse 3, he said, but... The Lord is faithful. You see the contrast here. Uh, the contrast between the end of verse 2 and, and, and verse 3. In the end of verse 2, he says, Not all have faith, that's 2, but the Lord is faithful. Verse 3. God is faithful. Our trust is not in man. Our trust is in the Lord. Our faith is in Christ. And we need to look away from faithless, faithless men people and place our faith in Jesus Christ. One thing for sure, we, we, we sang the song, Great is Your Faithfulness. I don't think we understand what it means, how great his faithfulness is. Quite often we're thankful for the things that we see that God does for us. But we never really stop and think, you know, there are things that God has done for me I did not see. And I know that every time that I come to him, He's faithful. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I love that. I don't have it up there, but this is for the Christian. This is what we, that verse is called the Christian bar soap. Because we're not perfect. John is writing to believers. He says, if you say you don't sin, he's talking to Christians, you make him a liar. We all, we don't practice sin. We're not sinners in a sense that we don't practice sin. We've been saved by that. But we do fail. We do fall. We do sin. But when we do, the Bible says he is faithful to forgive. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. You know what that means? It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter how many times you're struggling with that sin. He said he is faithful. I don't know what that means to you, but that means a lot to me. I have an advocate. His name is Jesus Christ. And when, the, when Satan, who loves to bring condemnation, there's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ... We look to that verse and we say, you know what? He's faithful. No matter, no matter when I come to him, how often I come to him, he's faithful. He's faithful. But Pastor Eddie, you don't understand. No, listen. He's faithful. But no. Get on your knees. Repent. He's going to forgive you. He's faithful. He's faithful. 
Second Timothy chapter two, verse three, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Verse three, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. He will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Saints, listen, we're on the winning side. We're, I don't know if you read your Bible, but in the end, we win. Whether you die of natural causes or whatever, you win. Whether Christ comes from the church, you win. We win. We're on the winning side. We belong to God Almighty, and God establishes his own, and he guards his own. God is faithful to strengthen you and to guard you from the evil one. Who is the evil one? I like in the book of Revelation, it gives all four his name. He is the old serpent. He is the dragon. He's the devil. He is saying himself, that's the evil one. Greek definite, definite article, the, 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 he's the evil one. He's not a evil one, the, speaking of Satan himself. Now with that said, now with that said, we understand where we are precisely in Christ. But with that said, understand this. As sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, that does not mean that we uh, are exempt from natural disasters. We're not exempt from sicknesses, illnesses, regardless of the, what the pro- prosperity teachers tell you on the TV channel. The TV evangelist, oh, you don't need to be sick. No, if you're sick, you have a sin in your life. Really? Okay. What about you? And they make you feel like you're doing something wrong. Hey, read Job. Job lost everything. He had the three greatest counselors with him. And those of you who laugh, you know, because they weren't one of great counselors. They said, what did you do, Job? What did you do? Did you tithe? Did you what? Come on. Did, did you go to church Sunday? We're not exempt from discrimination, detention, or even death. However, however, what God does promise here in his word, he would not allow Satan to go beyond a certain line that he has drawn himself with, a, with his hand. Satan has boundaries. Again, look at Job. You remember Job. Remember when the Lord said to Satan about Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth and no one fears God and shuns evil. Satan said, yeah, you put the wall of protection around him. It's good to know that God still does that. You put a wall of protection around him, his family, his property, and everything he has. In Job chapter 1, verse 12, it says, all right. And you know, Satan would say, yeah, let, you take that away from him. They see what happens. He said, all right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possessed, but do not harm him physically. That's the way God works. Physically. Satan cannot take your life. Nowhere in Scripture you're going to find that. Because your life... The date of your death is in God's hands, just as the date of your birth. God controls your life. He controls when it's time for you to come home. Now, Satan may oppress you, but he cannot possess you. I've been around Christians that would tell, oh, yeah, he's a Christian, yeah, but he's possessed by a demon. I said, that's not biblical, because God is not into time sharing. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit is in your heart, greater is he, who is in me, then the Holy Spirit, then he was in the world. God's not into time sharing. There's no such thing. He may, pos- he may oppress you, you know, attack you, just the way Satan did with Job, but he cannot control. Now, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, look out. You can be possessed. 
You can be possessed. And in my previous line of, of appointment, and let me tell you, I saw people that I knew, without a doubt, they were possessed. It's because Christ is not in their heart. Satan can tempt you. We're all going to be tempted. He tempted Jesus, right? 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. It's not a sin to be tempted. We know that, but it's a sin to fall into temptation. But God is faithful even there. He's faithful to forgive your sins. He doesn't want to allow Satan to harm you. And he is faithful when you're even being tempted. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation would also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can't say the devil made me do it. It's not biblical. You have the choice. Free will, Remember? Free will to accept Christ, free will to follow your temptation. But God is faithful there. Now let's move on. Verse 4, he says, and we have confidence. Confidence in who? Not in money, not in man, not in the government, not in our own strength and gifts, our abilities, our talents, our intellect. We have confidence in who? In the Lord. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you both to do and and will do the things we command you. Paul's confidence was in the Lord. And he was confident in the Lord that the Lord will, will be a help, will be their strength for the Thessalonians to do and continue to do what Paul has taught them in the word of God. Understand, New Testament wasn't canonized at this point. Paul used the Old Testament. Can you imagine? I, I would find it hard <laughs> to share the gospel with just the Old Testament. <laughs> but that's how the birth of the church started, by the way. That's how Paul, and that's how even Peter, who gave the greatest sermon there in the book of Acts at the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 gave their lives to the Lord. But he's talking about the command, the things that he commanded him. You see, when Satan took away all that Job had, you know, after, you know, disaster after disaster, his family, his home, his property took everything away, except his wife, except his wife, boils. His wife said, why don't you curse God? Job chapter 13, verse 15, Job says this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That is having confidence in the Lord, standing fast in the midst of trials and tribulations. And you know, our confidence needs to be in the Lord, not in self. This, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. We all need to remember this. Our confidence needs to be in the Lord, not self. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, uh, verse three Paul writes, Rejoice in Jesus Christ. And have no confidence in the flesh. Why? Romans chapter 7 verse 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. That's speaking of Christian. Paul's a Christian at this time. He's writing the book of Romans, right? If we think that we don't have this, then we need to check. We need to put things in priority. We need to put things in perspective. We're still not perfect. Yet we're being renewed day by day. Because of Jesus Christ. Our confidence needs to be in the Lord, not in self. And so saints, we need to remember this, that when you accepted Jesus Christ, understand this, the moment you accept Jesus Christ, Christ enters into your heart. And that moment, the Holy Spirit begins to work. Now, we've studied this before with Thessalonians. Positionally, we're complete. 
Positionally, we're sanctified. Positionally, we're ready. It's already done. You're pure. Positionally in Christ. Because of who we are in Christ. Positionally, we're complete. We lack nothing because we have everything, Jesus Christ. But practically, we need to work it out. We're still being sanctified. Practically, we're still being completed unto the day of Christ. That's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Is it being confident of this very thing that he, speaking of Jesus Christ, who has begun a good work in you? When did he begin that? When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, person, and Savior, when you were born again. He says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. What does that mean? That means when you stand before Jesus, when it's done. And that's going back when I was praying. I was asking you, when you pray for me, if I'm dying, when I want to see Jesus, I want to hear, well done, that I'm completed. I don't want to see people praying for me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well done. When is going to be completed? When you stand before Christ in glory with your glorified bodies, that's when it's done. He is faithful. Verse 5, he says, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Oh, how we need God to direct our hearts in love. One of the greatest commandments is love. Love. They asked Jesus, Jesus, of all the 613 commandments, which is the greatest? Oh, it's very simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Greatest commandment. He said, upon these two laws, these commandments, hang all the laws of the prophets. Because if I love God, I would not break the other commandments. If I love my neighbor, I don't have to worry about stealing from him, wanting to murder him, right? Love. And we need God to direct our hearts and continue to direct our hearts. Why? Jeremiah 17.9. Here's another one. This is not motivational speaking, okay? This is scripture, okay? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitfully above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, we need God to direct our hearts in love. In love. In love. You see... We all call to love just as, as Jesus loved us. Jesus didn't say, hey, love others in your own, your own way. And it's a command, by the way. It wasn't a suggestion. That's what he said in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as, as I have loved you that you also love one another. How much has Jesus loved you? Death on the cross. That's the love. That's a true disciple of Christ. And so when the Lord directs a heart in his love, God's love is, is manifest by the power of the Spirit because only the Spirit of God, only who, the source of love, can make love real in your life where you could just pour it out to others. Question, how much does God love you? You know the answer. So too, we ought to love one another. And as we love, patience kicks in. Because we love, we're patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. First Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Love whole keeps no record. How much patience God has for you? <sighs> Unlimited. And let me tell you, God was really patient with me. Especially in my teen and pre-20 years. Very patient. That's verses 1 through 5. Paul calls us to prayer. These are the things we need to pray now. Now verses 6 through 15, Paul gives an exhortation on proper Christian living. Now, just again to give you a little bit of background of this church, um, just as with every church, the church of Thessalonians had problems. They were thriving. They were 
they were growing. But there was problems. With every church, there's problems in every church. And we always say, if you find the perfect church, don't be a part of it. Because it will not be perfect. And the reason why churches are not perfect is because why? People. People. Wherever you have people, you have problems. Anyway, verse 6, he gives a warning. He said, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is a command, not a suggestion, it's with authority Paul is speaking of, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he receives from us. The Greek word withdraw, stello, means to avoid, to shun, to pull back from. When we see someone in Acting disorderly, it could, and Paul's going to give one of those examples, where to withdraw. This is what's called church discipline. This is not only for the pastor and leader, and this is for every believer to follow and obey. If a brother or sister in Christ is disorderly, as for the scriptures, it says we are to withdraw. That's what it says here, right? I, I'm not trying to, you know, I know people are quick to judge. Oh, really? Let me find somebody who I could withdraw from. Hey, why didn't you come to our fellowship? I'm withdrawing from you. <laughs> That's not a license to find every little excuse. You didn't invite me to your... No, forget it. I'm not, I'm with, anyway, there were those in the Thessalonian church that were disorderly. They were not following and obeying the word of God and how to behave. And Paul set the example. And they were disorderly because they had left their jobs. They were mooching off of people. Remember, they thought that Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus was imminent. So they, you know, they sold everything. If you look throughout church history, you find there are certain groups of Christians that have sold everything. Oh, Jesus is coming. Here's the day. And the Bible says, no, you know, every time somebody gives me a date, I'm to say, I'll see you tomorrow. When, is he, when do you say he's coming? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Two things could happen. Either they would be rebuked and going against the scripture, the Bible says, no one knows the day or the hour, right? I would be in heaven. I say, hey, you're right. You picked it. You should play lotto. Not just kidding, don't play lotto. <laughs> but you know, the Bible says, no man knows the day nor the hour. Now, whether we like it or not, discipline is good and is healthy. I get some amens from your, past, your parents. Amen. We've seen that. It's good whether you're working out. Obviously, I don't work out. But if you work out, you discipline yourself. You're into sports, you discipline yourself. You find every area of life that you discipline yourself and know that you would grow. And so disciplining, as parents, we discipline our children so they would, they would know the wrong from right. What this proverb says, it says, spare the rod, spoil the child. We're not talking about child abuse. We're talking about being disciplined. Sometimes kids, the younger they are, they need a little spanking. As they get older, now they know. And I tell you, kids who are not disciplined, I've seen it in the streets. 12, 13-year-olds with guns. When I worked as a police officer, 12, 13-year-olds with guns. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Have you ever wondered why there are so many letters written in the New Testament? 1 Timothy is just one of many letters that gives you some insight into the ministry that was happening after the time that Jesus lived here on earth. There were struggles and there were successes, but you realize that as great as these missionaries and pastors were, they also were just human. They had strengths, weaknesses, discouragements, and moments of triumph. Isn't it great to know and to relate to people in the Bible? They're spiritual pillars in some ways. 
but you come to realize that they were people that God used, just like He can use you in this time and place. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Once again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll refer to our website for additional resources that include hearing these messages again or learning about the church behind the ministry. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race.